So we have part three, the needs that your family will choose with. Um, and Lord, I pray a special blessing for her friend as well. In Jesus' name. Oh, and you love the Jesus name. Amen. Write out your name and be as honest as possible. 
here's things, God, that I really want. Here's what your scripture says. These are your promises. So you got to do it, sort of thing, you know? And it was like, pray, 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 because we wanted an end result. So prayer literally was like a means to an end for us. So we're praying, praying, praying like this. And then over time, we were praying. And I remember, so some people in the room were a part of our prayer and also going to Tamika, we had mandates on our wall. Monday, we would pray for this. Tuesday, we would pray for that. Wednesday. All these things, mandates and scriptures, and we're praying these things. And I remember one day, I was in the prayer room, and we were praying for souls in the city of And the scripture that I would always write to you was Matthew chapter 9, and verse 35 to 38. And I'm just going to read it to you. It says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogue, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so we're just praying the scripture over and over and over. And I remember, if I'm really honest, back then, you know, the scripture was almost a little bit of a weapon, you know, because people would be like, you can't just pray all the time. You've got to be on the streets and share the gospel. And I'd be like, well, he said the church first. And then, you know, and it was like literally a weapon. The scripture used to be like a weapon to me, you know, as a prayer person. Because I'm so holy. you got to pray first before you know what, you know? It was that sort of thing. And so I'm sitting there in the prayer room, praying the scriptures, God saved the people, all the things. And I remember when the Holy Spirit just highlighted Jesus to me. And this line here says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. And in my mind's eye, I began to see Jesus walking through the city of Toronto. Because the scripture here says that he went through all the cities and villages and the teaching right? He was healing people. But as he was doing this, his heart was filled with compassion. And he saw the people like sheep without the shepherd. And the question came, do you see the city? walking through the city, doing all that he was doing, and the heart filled with compassion. And he saw the state of the people. And when I began to look at Jesus, my heart began to change, and my prayers actually began to change. Where it wasn't so much like save them out there, of course we want people to come to know the Lord, but my heart posture was wrong. And so the Lord began to change my heart where I began to pray, God, would you give me compassion? For the people of the city of Toronto, there was there was a transformation that was happening on the inside of me. And then I looked again because, as I said, we were in the scripture constantly praying all the time. And then it said, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." And then the question came: Well, when you look at the city, do you see a plentiful harvest? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know. I'm thinking about all the news, like, you know, the things you hear in the news of the city. And I'm not thinking that's a plentiful harvest. And so then my prayers began to change again. And it was like, Lord, let me see the city of Toronto the way you see it. 
When I look upon the crowds of people, let me see the service that you see. And then, again, back in the scripture again, and then it said this, the laborers are few. So Jesus wasn't the problem. <coughs> the people were not the problem. It was the laborers. And I was like, oh. So maybe I need to switch what I'm praying here, you know? And the scriptures actually began to do a work in me, and we could switch how I was praying. Now, the reason I say all of this is because when we talk about prayer, our mind, wonder, imagination, our imagination is actually supposed to be used by the Holy Spirit so that we actually see who God is through the Word. We see who we are and that we actually have faith to believe when we're actually asking Him. That's why those questions are there. Because how we see God, how we see ourselves, and what we actually have faith to believe all come from the place of prayer. But not just any kind of prayer. I'm not talking about, we all know there's many types of prayer. And tonight I'm not actually sharing on all the different ways that you can pray. Many of you know it and you can teach it yourself. But what I'm here to talk about tonight is what happens when you actually let the word of God transform you from the inside out in the place of prayer. Because to be honest, that's really what God wants. He wants a heart that's transformed, a heart that is fully saved, a heart that is possessed by Him. You know, in the early days, as I said, we were all about like revival. God, we wanted to revival break out and all these different things. But you know, there's something more important to God than revival. It's actually your heart that is given over to Him, and your heart and my heart that is given over to Him, because He is actually looking for a holy people who's his own, of his own possession, the Bible says, where our hearts are truly his. And so I can be there being like, oh, I'm so holy because I pray six hours a day, and my heart will never be transformed because I actually didn't encounter Jesus in the place of prayer. And that's really what it's about at the end of the day. Do you see him? Do you see yourself or how he feels about you, what he says about you? And is there faith in your heart to believe in for the very things that you are praying for? I love this scripture. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians. Sorry, my head all goes up now. But in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that we now with unveiled face behold the glory of God. And in that place, guess what it says happens? We're being transformed into his very image by the Spirit of God. So every time we come into that place of prayer, when we come and approach God, yes, we can do the times of thanksgiving. Sometimes you know what your prayer time is literally you just dancing and clapping and saying, Hallelujah, thank you, God, you did that. You know, because that's your prayer time. And there's other times where you need to be silent and you need to quiet yourself before the Lord. And then there are other times when you just need to look at Him. You take the Word of God and you look and you gaze at Him. Because in that place, the Bible says, with unveiled faith, because of the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus Christ did, we get to come into the scriptures and look at him. In that place, the Holy Spirit begins to transform us. He begins to change our emotional makeup. He causes us to look more like him because that's actually the point of all salvation, to be honest. It's him making us look more like him. And so... There's a couple things I'm gonna, I, I wanna touch on. Number one, when people ask me like, well, how do you know God 
God actually feels that way about something or having to pray this way. It really is because I've spent time praying the scriptures, being in the word of God. And it's interesting, just actually before I came here, I was with a bunch of students from UMC, and they were asking me, like, well, how do you know that you're God? And how do you know? And how do you know? And, and I just said, you know what? It's all come down to creating space for you. Practically. When I was telling my story earlier, I said we were daily praying the scriptures, and we were. We daily went in the prayer room like soldiers. Today is Tuesday. We're going to pray for children. We're going to pray for, you know, these things. And here's the scriptures. And we were doing it. And, you know, I love the heart of the Father because he saw that we were all in there like, this, that, that's done. We've got to pray for Canada. We've got to pray for the city. And he was like, that is great. And I love your zeal, I just want The reason why I can say I had faith for something is because I spent time with him. I've gotten to know him. But it doesn't just happen overnight. We literally have to create the space in our schedule to step into that place of prayer and get to know him. And so it was in a daily routine of just being in the word and like, really my heart intention not even being that good all the time. And, you know, coming in with whatever and just stepping into that place of prayer was where I actually got to see him. And I love that the Holy Spirit does the work. He was the one who began to highlight Jesus to me. You know, I wasn't in there saying like, oh Lord, I want to know you want to know you. I was like, save the people, you know? Claire, let's take kids hospital. Come on, pour in the Spirit, just say, right? Like those lit, no, I did, I used to pray that. I used to pray for sick kids hospital. Anyone who's been in a prayer room with me knows that I used to pray for sick kids hospital all the time for children to get healed in that place. Okay. So it was like I was in there doing my thing, but in his love and mercy towards me, because he actually desired me, he was like, I got to see him with unveiled face. And when I saw him and I got to understand his heart, he transformed my heart. And then when my heart got transformed, I was able to go in again and ask him for things and actually have faith to believe because he revealed who he was. Now, I'm going to give you another practical thing. When I talk about God revealing himself, I really mean me looking at Jesus. Because the Bible says in Colossians, in the first chapter, someone can quote the verse if they want to. But it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so when I would go into scripture and I would be in there and I'd be praying for whatever, like we can take that same scripture in Matthew 9, okay? And it says that he went in there through the cities, and it says that he healed every disease every affliction now there came a day when i was praying and i said every <laughs> no we talk about like all of that like all of the diseases but and i i actually got confronted with my own unbelief and my own doubt because who knows we have unbelief and doubt sometimes in our hearts every person of prayer right sometimes people don't want to pray because they actually don't believe that god is listening they don't believe that he's going to answer. They don't, they're not actually like sure that he has the power to do it. And God knows all these things about us because he's intimately acquainted with all of, all of our ways. 
He knows our thoughts before we even think that. And he actually wants to address the doubt on the inside of us. Because he wants us to know him. He wants us to have faith in him. And to be honest, you know, being in the, in the prayer movement for a while, probably, yeah, over 20 years from now, there were times when we would pray for someone to get healed, and we wouldn't see it. And I've seen people turn away from following the Lord because everybody was praying for their parent who had cancer, and they still died. You know? Prayer sometimes comes with that sting on the inside of like, well, will he really do it? Does he want to do it for me? And that keeps us from that place because we're not exactly sure he actually will, can, or desires to. And so when we're sitting in that place of prayer and being in the Word, it's like he will pinpoint the doubt. He will pinpoint the disappointment. He will pinpoint the fear. And it's his good pleasure to do these things because he actually wants us to know him. He wants to give us the knowledge of who he is. He wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to like, like when I say I know Tamika and Tamika knows me, she's laughing because you know there's stories behind it. Okay? Like we know each other. God desires for us to know him. And prayer to me is like the gateway of intimacy with God. It really is if you allow it to be. Because it is also very easy for us to come and do our checkmark prayer. Okay, did my devotion. I tap the app, 15 minutes later, I'm good, okay, peace, God, I'm going about my day, I did my day, right? And then sometimes I pray like that too, to be honest, right? Sometimes we're in and we're out, but his desire is actually for us to come close. His desire is actually for us to know him. And when we sit in that place before him in the scriptures, that's where he'll start to touch things on the inside of your heart that you actually sometimes don't want him to. But he wants to because he wants to bring you close. He wants you to know him. That's why he said, seek my face. That's his desire for you, to seek him and to know him. So that when you are out there and you are talking to people about Jesus, they're like, oh, who's this Jesus that you know because I don't know people like that? Tell me, tell me a little bit more about him, you know? Because we're carrying this God that we know. That we know experientially, right? Not just mental ascent, like in our heart of hearts, we know Him. And that is actually like, I don't even know what I would say, but the, the amazing privilege of being in the place of prayer. When we sit with God, when we sit in His Word, when we, when we look at Him and we see Him looking right back at us, when He's putting His finger on things, and then He's saying, just ask Him. So we do it. This is another scripture, Luke 11. And normally I preach a scripture a lot when people ask me to teach on prayer because it's Jesus' teaching on prayer for life. And for my own, my own way of this, right? Like Jesus has the best teaching on prayer, so I'm just going to teach what he taught. And so in Luke 11, I love that he gives this description. And he, talks, he basically just says, you know, there's a man, he has a friend who comes late in the night. It's kind of like if I go at midnight, and I'm not allowed to meet the door. And I'm like, hey, someone came over, it's midnight, I have nothing to set before them. Tamika, open the door, I need some bread, I need something for this person. And she's not opening the door. 
and I'm knocking, and I'm knocking, and I'm knocking. And eventually, the scripture says that Tamika comes out, because he's like, girl, you are bothering me and the neighbor. Take the food. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, correct. Because Tamika doesn't want to be welcome in that first place, right? So it's like, she finally comes out and she gives it because I've just been so persistent. And the Lord says this, so ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Mm -hmm. Seek and keep on seeking. What is his desire for you? To ask again, to knock, inquire, ask questions, and to seek him. This is actually what he wants, and Jesus teaches it in the prayer in Luke 11. So keep doing this. And the next line comes, and I'm telling you, we'll bring up the definition there. It says, for everyone who asks, receives. Now, I want you to use your imagination. What does that look like? Everyone who asks receives. When you think about that, what comes up on the inside of you? Because I know what came up inside of you. The word was doubt. And unbelief. And it was praying these scriptures over and over and over that the Lord said, and we can talk about that. Because the word says in the book of Hebrews, actually, I want to read this scripture to you. I got on the train today from Pickering and I was like, my Bible, I left it on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like to put pages, I don't like this tap, tap, tap. Um, but I'm going to read it to you. It says here, Hebrews 4, verse 12. And I want you to use your imagination. Think about this scripture, okay? Because Jesus used words to create pictures in our minds, to move the heart for us to be able to see and believe, okay? So listen to these words. I'm going to read them slowly. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I'm going to read it again. This is the word of God. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I don't know if you see that when you hear that scripture. The word is living. It's alive. Think about that. It's alive and it has this activation agent on the inside of it that when you allow it to come close to you, it will move. And then it's going to pierce. I don't really like that line too much. You know, like it's sharper than any torch source and it pierces. That's what the word of God is supposed to do. It pierces. And it, and it divides soul and spirit. And this line here just, you know, a little uncomfortable. It says it's discerning. The word of God will discern your thoughts and the intentions of your heart. This thing that we call the word of God that we use when we pray is actually alive. And it wants to move and work on you if you allow it to. If 
you allow it to. Because that's God's desire. He wants his word alive and moving and living on the inside of us. Not like just this boring, like, yeah, I read my scriptures today, first came something, something, you know, within the case, whatever. Like, because, you know, the sad thing is that, unfortunately, when we talk about our prayer life, not a lot of people talk with fascination. Not a lot of people talk with wonder and desire when it comes to prayer. They're kind of like, yeah, do it. Yeah. Did you pray? Yeah, I pray. Oh, make sure you pray for Auntie so-and-so because, you know, she's all about And it's just, but there's no, like, fascination, wonder, and almost like enjoyment when it comes to prayer. And this is who our God is. Our God is filled with wonder and awe, and he is to be enjoyed if you allow if you make space for it, if you go in deep and say, God, show me who you are. Because you know what? I don't want to pray to no dead God. You can if you want to. I don't want to pray to no statue because it can't smell, it can't move anything. I want to talk to a living God who is alive, who knows me better than I know myself, and who actually has the power to do the things that I'm asking him to do. That's actually why I love prayer. And sometimes I don't love it too because. He discerns the thoughts and intentions of my heart, and he likes to talk to me about it, and sometimes I don't want to talk to him about it. I have that dilemma sometimes. Okay? But he's alive. And he does the things that he says he will do. I'll give you one more one more story. Yes, I want you to time. I'll give you one more story. Um, I pray in the morning. Well, this summer I took a break, but um, we have an order and people who come together and we pray early in the morning. And I remember one day there was a woman and her and her husband were going to do a pilgrimage in Spain. And she had to walk like miles and miles and miles. It's called the Camino. You can look it up. <laughs> and um, so her and her husband wanted to do this thing. And Caroline, she's beautiful. She's like 62. And she has knee issues. And the doctor's like, I don't know how you're going to do this. Like, there's no way you're having issues. No brace is going to help you. I don't know what you're going to do. And so every morning, Caroline comes on the call, and she's just like, God, I really want to do this. You know? And Caroline and her husband are really tall. Uh, they're tall white people, you know, <laughs> from Denver, Colorado. Like, they're tall. When I met them, I was like, whoa. Um, but great people love Jesus. The missionary is amazing. And Caroline every morning, though, was like, you know, I can't, I can't do the walk. I really want to do the walk with Jim. And, you know, so everyone's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then we go into prayer, right? So everyone's praying. And then Caroline the next, and we just keep hearing this thing. Caroline is just like, my knees, my knees, my knees. So one morning, we're there. And I don't know if it's because I was just sitting in Isaiah, you know, where... 53, talking about, you know, Jesus is the man of sorrow, he's a priest of return. I really love that time, Jesus, I just want to say, you know, and it says that, you know, by his stripes we were healed, and, you know, I'm sitting in that scripture, praying through it, different things. I was praying about sorrows, but, you know, in that part, it also says that he, by his stripes we were healed. And so, one morning, Carolyn is on the call again, and to be honest, sometimes early in the morning, I'm not like Cherry, okay? Like, I do get up because that's the time that the Lord has for me to pray. I'm a morning prayer person. Anyone who's been in the house prayer knows this. 
But it doesn't mean I come and my makeup's done and I'm just like, oh, bless the Lord, let's pray, guys. I'm normally on a Zoom call with my hoodies on, you know, just, I have a baby hoodie that I wear all the time that I'm like, all right, guys, let's pray, let's do this, you know? And one morning, Caroline is just like, God, you know what? Can you guys just pray for my name? You know, and then everyone's like, okay. And we have some people from like the UK, you know, the British actually comes down with it, and like the Irish guy prays for her. You know, this is a rough time for her. Comfort her, Lord. Yes, God. If it be your will, you know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I took my hoodie off. <laughs> and I just said, everyone said amen. It was great. And I just said, you know, can I actually pray for you to get healed? And she's like, okay, sure. And then, because the scripture, right? I was praying about something else. I'm like, Jesus, the man is on your he was grieved for my fingers and all the things. But it says in there that by his stripes we were healed. It was past tense. So I was in the scripture about myself, not really about healing or anything. But it came up, this scripture that is alive and living and active, comes bubbling up on the inside of me. And I'm like, Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to heal Caroline. Like, and you did this on the cross. And you know what? Healing is a part of the atonement. And I'm praying like this. And I'm like, so Father, I thank you for her needs being healed. And her husband is going to walk the community together. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes it comes up like that. Please forgive me. So, anyways, pray for Caroline. She was like, okay, thank you. And we get off the call. So, like, months later, I don't, every summer, I take a break from prayer time because I am doing so many things with my kids that I can't keep that so much time. I just pray in that morning. So, I hadn't been on the call. I didn't know anything that was going on. I didn't see Caroline until October of last year when we were all in Ireland together. And all of a sudden, this big, tall, white man comes up to me, Aisha! <laughs> Hi, Jim. It was you. You prayed for Caroline that morning, and her knees got healed. And I was like, it did. And I was even joking. I was like, it did. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Praise God. It's so good. And then Caroline comes in. Then she goes, Jim, you told her already. And I was like, yeah, you told me. And they're tall, right? So I was just like, yeah, you know? So I'm like, yeah, you know, and they're going back and forth. And she goes, yeah, that morning, I came home to call my way. I should have a little Pentecostal on the call this morning. <laughs> you know? But it worked, you know? And, but all this to say what is that when we look at him, a couple of things happen. These three things actually happen. And I said it before. He shows us who he is. He reveals to us how he feels, his nature, everything about himself. But then he reveals who we are, how he feels about us. And then the other thing is he gives us faith to pray the things that he says he will do. That's all that he does. Well, he does more things, you know, in the place of prayer. But those are the main ones. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know how he feels about you and who you are to him. And he actually wants you to believe him. Many times Jesus could not do miracles places. Why? Because the people had unbelief. It wasn't about him. The people had unbelief. And to be honest, sometimes we just have unbelief and we just need to say it. Like, I love you, God. Sure that you're able to do this. I need you to tell me who you are and show me your ability so that I have faith 
to believe. Because the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. And we need that. We need faith. That's how we're supposed to be living anyway. The Bible says that, right? That we live by faith and not by faith. It's a part of our lives. But who are we supposed to have faith in? Do you know him? Do you know him enough to have faith? Do you know his words enough to believe in them? Are they moving? Are they living? Are they active? When you're reading the scripture and the word of God says, you know, that you are my shepherd, you shall not, or God is my shepherd, and I say, I shall not want. What does that look like in your life? Don't just read over the words. We all know the words. For God so loved the world that he gave his own name. And so it's going to be just spouting off. But have you ever sat and thought about that? And let the word become alive to you? God, you love the world? I don't love the world. <laughs> and you let him talk to you. And you get fascinated with him. And you enjoy him because you know what? At the end of the day, he enjoys you. He enjoys you. He wants you to come close. He would never have sent his son if he did not want you to come close. So no matter where you are, what is going on with you in your life, how you see yourself, whatever, it does not matter because his desire is for you to come close. And so I pray that prayer actually becomes filled with fascination, filled with wonder, filled with awe, and filled with faith. So when you step into the place of prayer and you say, God, I'm just going to pray the Lord's Prayer here. This is your word. Speak to me. Show me who you are. That you just can't leave that place because you're crying on the little baby. That's what I hope for you. <laughs> I do. Or he's in that place of transforming you and touching and molding and shaping your heart. So I want to do a quick exercise with you. How many of you have heard of like Taylor Medina? Yes. So, can someone tell me what the words mean? The divine reading. Okay? So this very practice that we have called Lectio Divina is really, in two words, telling you everything I just said. This divine reading, because the word of God is divine. It is living, it's moving, it is active. Okay? So, we're going to do some Lectio Divina. And as we are doing it, how many are familiar with it? How many are you? How many are familiar with it? Yeah. Okay, so for those of you who are not, Lectio Divina is really reading the Word of God in a manner of prayer so that we listen and wait for the Holy Spirit to make this living and active Word to begin to bubble and do its thing because that's, that's what it does. Okay? So we're going to take a portion of Scripture. And I want you to just posture yourself in a place of receiving and listening to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read after You know, we'll actually do one that is familiar. <laughs> we will do Psalm 23. And I'm going to read for you. And I know many of you can, like, spell this off and, you know, you'll probably say it along with me, but I don't want you to. I want you to listen to the word. I'm going to read it one time slowly, and you're just going to take it in. The second time I'm going to read it, I want you to listen for a word or a phrase that gets up. It could be one word. As I told you, I was reading it, it said, every disease my life. And like that one word just, you know, got me. 
So listen for a word or a phrase, okay? For the first time I'll read, I'm gonna read slow. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to sit with that for a bit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does anyone have a word or a phrase that stuck out to you? You can say it out loud. Sitting on the ground with Jesus. And whatever I have my eyes and I get rid of the 
when I, for the longest of time, when I see Jesus, I see Ted Levy. Because he really impressed what Jesus looks like, Ted Levy. Anyways, I see Ted Levy say inside me, and with all my things, the law, the things, to jail, to judges, all behind me, and Jesus says, look, they are not going to touch you. The law has no impact on you. And he just kind of lets me into it. There I go. She also acted to mention, I'm putting you on the slide, um, <laughs> that there are other houses of prayer people here. So go ahead, go ahead and we're going to raise your hand. 
And mom and dad. And, oh yeah, and mom and dad. <laughs> uh, so if you have like prayer questions, you can you can be with any of those people. They will have grace for me later. I just have to do it. Or you can come <laughs> talk to Aisha, okay? So I'm gonna pray. I think there's there's more coffee and there's water if you need that. Um, and then we'll wrap up. Oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. If you could, please. Let's see. These uh, summer fellowship feedback forms. Could you could you take a moment and just give us a feedback for the summer fellowship? Okay. Yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you so much.